0: Once upon a time, two friends began sharing their dreams, literally. We wrote them down in the wee hours and unpacked them with each other via text upon waking, finding inspiration in their symbolism. Our dreams taught us that divine fingerprints are everywhere and can illuminate a path to Jesus Christ. I am Sarah, and I am Megan, and this is Dreamsicle. Join us as we learn to pay attention and find revelation for our lives hiding in plain sight. Hi friends, today we're talking about stillness. Stillness is basically the antithesis of modern life. I don't know about you, but I am always listening to, reading, searching, scrolling something. And I feel like all of the tasks that historically created stillness, like hanging out the laundry and preparing a meal, cleaning the house, doing dishes, driving, we've filled all of them with noise. We are a generation of stimulation junkies. It's not just us, though. I think our parents have caught on, too. (laughs) It's everybody now. Everybody. I think partly this comes because we think that things can always be done better. For me, I think this is part of it. But also because we're just so tired from trying so hard, we need an escape. So both of those things lead us to consume, consume, consume lots of media. And it creates a lot of distractions in our lives, So this is something that we actually have to think about. We have to consciously make space for stillness in a way that previous generations didn't have to because we are just filled to the brim with all of the things. So much noise. (laughs) So much. It's just constant. Like we're constantly inundated. It's at our fingertips. It's in our back pockets. It's everywhere. I like to think that when... Stillness presents itself that I will just step into it happily and embrace it and enjoy the quiet. We had a, a storm a couple of weeks ago that was like pretty significant. There was this huge wind storm that blew through Utah, and where I live, there were winds over 100 miles an hour. We lost tons of trees, and power lines were down, semis got blown over, and it took out a lot of people's electricity and it took out our internet and um, our electricity was like kind of spotty in and out, but that day was so frantic I think not just because of the stress of the storm but I was like unable to function in my life without <laughs> <laughs>
1: Connection. You're not the only one. We all like, rely on it.
0: And it wasn't just the internet. It was also like the cellular network, so I couldn't text. And also at the same moment for whatever reason my like SIM card was starting to die. So of course it was. Like all kinds of issues with my phone. I couldn't like connect to the outside world at all. And it was like very stressful. I could have just like lit a candle and like <laughs> enjoy the darkness and the stillness. But no, it was just a very stressful day. And it made me wonder if I can function without all of the noise in my life. Right. I mean,
1: it's actually really difficult for me to actually be still. It's hard. I struggle with it. It's like we're socialized to just always be busy, always reading, always listening. And I think our minds just go immediately to distractions. Like you said, our phone is always in our hand. We're always scrolling. Their social media is like omnipresent, online shopping, Netflix, podcasts, articles, everything. It's just nonstop. And it's just the way we've become. We're voracious. And sometimes I think we're almost like mindless consumers, like just the endless scrolling, which I think you could call a little bit of avoidance at times. I think that's accurate. But I think also just habit. It's just what we're used to.
0: Yeah, it's like we just reach for it. In any moment of quiet stillness, like we can be in a line waiting. And instead of just like being, we're like, oh, pull out the phone, see what's there. But our ability to be still affects our relationship with God, with each other, and I think with ourselves. It's so difficult to be still, but it is so important.
1: Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to tell you a dream now.
0: You ready? I'm ready.
1: (laughs) So last spring, I had this dream that it's kind of almost seems kind of unimportant when I tell you the details. And yet it answered a question that had just been brewing in my mind for a long time. I was I was teaching just one college writing class last spring semester. And normally I had done more than that. And yet this one class was just like, it was so hard for me. Like I was really struggling with it. I was struggling to get to campus, to renew my lesson plans, to grade. Just everything about it just felt really grueling and really off. And I kept telling myself it's one class. Like, why can't you handle one class? It's that should be simple. And, and yet it just seemed like, what am I doing? Like, I feel exhausted by everything. And I had this dream that I was going to teach my class, but it was in a town three hours away in Southern Utah. (laughs) And I had to, I had to go pick up my mom first. She lives north of me, so I had to go north first and then I had to drive south and I could tell when we were on the road and I was I was rushing and I could tell that I was going to be almost an hour late for my own class that I was teaching. And I felt this incredible stress like I can't I can't do it. I cannot be all the places I need to be. And just what really impressed me when I woke up, oh, and by the way, in the dream, when I got there, it had it was an hour late. It was like an hour and 15 minute class and no one was there. Oh, I, I had failed. When I woke up, like the point of this dream was so obvious to me. It was telling me like teaching is great and you've enjoyed it and it's been purposeful and amazing and you've loved it and you've loved your students but at this moment in your life it is sapping your energy it's taking so much out of you that it's like you have to drive three hours to teach a one-hour class and it's just not working it doesn't mean it's bad it just means this isn't for you right now and I just felt like that was a lesson for me where god simply revealed something to me as it was without like m- making a judgment or telling me what to do it was it was like they were just showing me this is what it's doing to you at this moment that's what it is see it as it really is i was basically using all of my mental and physical strength just to meet this one responsibility and it was really leaving me depleted for handling other things in my life, which I came to learn were requiring a lot more of my spiritual energy. Like I needed to help my children through some difficult things. And and then the pandemic happened and there was, there was a lot of stuff that I needed to do and I needed to have the reserves in order to do it. Basically that dream said to me, just slow down, like you can slow down. So Neil Marriott, who, by the way, was my young women's leader for a little while. I love her. Neil Marriott said, when we are yielded and still, our minds can be directed to something more we may need to change, something that is limiting our capacity to receive spiritual guidance or even healing and help. I don't know. I just think that that's kind of what that dream did for me, that driving dream. It was like, look, you can keep doing this. You can keep like spinning your wheels and being exhausted, or you can see that there's a different way. But it was like, I had to be open to that. And ironically, it's almost like dreams. It's almost like the Holy spirit speaks to us in dreams because we are still, we are quiet. We are not focused on any other thing. It's like we have to wait for this person to literally be passed out before we
0: can impress <laughs> something important on them. Might be the only time of day that our minds are unoccupied. I don't
1: know. It,
0: I don't know. There might be something to that.
1: But anyway, so Neil Marriott, I I know her. I know her family. And she had her family has a motto that she talked about that says it will work out. It will work out anything. Life will work out. And she has been through some very hard things that you could almost say, how can you say it will work out? But she feels that way because like, she's rooted in this sense of stillness and listening to the Holy Spirit. What does God want from me? Jesus is my Savior. It will work out.
0: There's that famous scripture in Psalms, be still and know that I am God. And when we are still, when we create quiet in our lives, we create space for God to speak to us. Michelle Craig encouraged us to be intentional about creating time and space to hear God's voice. That's because we know that distraction is a huge tool of the adversary just filling us up with unimportant things. And there's a quote by Elder Richard G. Scott, he said, Satan has a powerful tool to use against good people. It is distraction. He would have good people fill life with good things. So there's no room for the essential ones. And really, what are the essential ones? It's our relationship with our heavenly parents, with Jesus, with our families. And it is so easy to just pile in all of the good things that will leave us both depleted so we can't attend to those things and just so there's not room in our lives for them. So after I heard um, her talk, I decided I was going to set aside at least some portion of my day that I didn't have a distraction or as much as I could. (laughs) So what I decided to do is every night I take my dog for a walk for 30 to 45 minutes and I just made a decision that I would not take my earbuds <laughs> so I love to multitask I love to like listen to a podcast or an audiobook or a conference talk while I'm doing the dishes and folding laundry and I still do that but when I walk the dog I leave my earbuds at home so it's just one little part of my day where I can be quiet and be still I don't know I
1: I kind of find that it's those moments when y- you are just kind of zoning out, like almost in a zen, like dreamlike state, that that's often when we do kind of find that stillness and ideas can come to mind, we can find peace. I find that often happens to me, like in the shower, like your mind is just kind of open.
0: <laughs> I feel the same.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And even driving. Mm, I well long- say that. Yes. <laughs> Like, provided you don't have like some serious, loud children music playing or <laughs> that too, <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're just kind of in the zone and you're just doing your thing, it's like it's like the spirit is like, okay,
0: now you are ready to receive something right. And I think, oh my goodness, even tonight, I was driving two of my kids in the car. I had my airpods in. I was listening to a podcast. They had music on. And my son was talking to me. And I was like, what am I even doing? (laughs) Let's go record an episode on stillness. (laughs) Yeah. Great preparation. I'm such a good example. (laughs) But I did walk the dog without my AirPods.
1: Well, I think it's just a constant struggle. Like We're always facing it because it is not easy to be still currently.
0: It's really hard. We have to be really intentional to create mm-hmm. stillness in our day. And sometimes it just feels impossible when you have like young children or old children. <laughs> but
1: I think even even when you have like when your life is really busy, like that phase that you're in right now, there are like snatches of time mm-hmm. where you can be still, whether it's like even just right before you fall asleep or right when you wake up in the morning or, or whatever it is. Like I think even if they're brief, it is possible to like carve out those little moments.
0: Yeah, it is. So for the past several months, I was pursuing a goal that felt divinely inspired. I was receiving revelation upon revelation that was pointing me in a very specific direction. And I was trying to pursue this goal to the best of my ability. And it kept just not working out. And finally, it got to a point where... I just knew it wasn't going to happen. And it felt like very strange and confusing um, to have been pointed in this very clear direction. And then like not just not seeing any success from it, like right. nothing
1: came to fruition. Yes. That's hard.
0: It is hard. And so on one of these walks without my earbuds, just in the quiet of, of mundane activity of walking my dog, I was pondering this, and I just felt this impression to let go, just let go, and I think it's really easy to want to to do like to solve problems to figure things out to like keep moving and doing, but being still can also be not just like creating the space for God to speak to us, but it can also be letting go and letting things unfold. And I feel like this was illustrated really perfectly when Moses commanded the children of Israel as they fled from the Egyptians. He said, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. When we are still, we stop. We cease our own human striving and we watch the Lord do his work. And when we do, when we let go, when we stop, when we pause, when we're still, we indicate that we acknowledge God has a bigger plan. Our Heavenly Parents have all power, they're present in our lives, and they love us. And when we're still, we can show them that we believe that. Yeah, it's kind of like we make room for them.
1: Like, invite that, I want to, tell me what you have in store for me. Tell me what you have in mind for me. It makes me think of this story that Sister Corden shared a, a few years ago in a conference address she said that she was in her house one day with I think there was a window or a door open because it was like beautiful spring weather and a bird flew in her house and it was like flying frantically all around the room and she was like kind of frantically trying to usher it out of the room and they weren't having a lot of success and she kind of backed off and the bird finally uh, landed on the top of her drapes and she she very like gently and slowly got out a broom and she just raised the broom head up by the bird and it stepped onto it and then she slowly walked it outside and let it go it's like a really simple story but such a good analogy for how it can feel when we're like I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to keep working harder and trying everything. And I have to figure this out on my own. I go back to that idea of like spinning my wheels because I've done that at so many different times in our lives. But like, I felt like last winter, I was that bird. I was like frantically fluttering around the room. like I just felt like I was all over the place with a lot of anxiety and, and trying to solve problems on my own. And then I got to this point where I said, I am just going to be, I am just going to sit in this discomfort. I'm going to experience the anxiety and I'm going to learn what I need to learn from it, which isn't like a super comfortable place to be. But when we avoid things, we can't really resolve them. One day I was at therapy with one of my favorite people in the world, my therapist, (laughs) and she was talking about the idea of identifying like a container, a figurative container that I could put my anxieties, the unknowns in my life, the concerns in my life that I could just put them there for a time, like set them aside so I wasn't always carrying this load. And then either revisit them or not at another time. So she said, I want you to, she first described a few containers that like her container, like what other people have and like hers is a bulletin board. It's like so organized and it's great. (laughs) But she said, I want you to close your eyes and tell me what you see, what comes to mind as this container. So I did this exercise. I closed my eyes and I immediately saw Jesus and I said to her, I saw Jesus. Like does that work? <laughs> She's like, "Well, sure, let's give it a try." <laughs> so, I I left that day and I went home thinking about Jesus is the container, the holder of all my insecurities and my struggles. I it was a little awkward for me picturing like literally handing Jesus my anxieties and then like having him just like stand there awkwardly holding something it just <laughs> felt off so I in my mind I saw this little altar and it was covered in like a marigold colored velvet and it was it's really beautiful it was just right at his feet I could it was just so clear in my mind I could see him he there was a big window behind him and very high ceiling and a lot of light coming in through this window. And he was wearing these robes of different colors. And the way they were kind of, the fabric was billowing out a little bit behind his shoulders. They almost looked like wings. I mean, not like real wings, but fabric kind of reminiscent of wings. So I was thinking about this and I was putting over the next week or so, anytime I was overcome with, different fears or anxieties or whatever, I would just put them on that little marigold velvet altar. And and like, amazingly, they just kind of vanished. Like I couldn't see them. I couldn't feel them. And one day as I was like falling asleep and, and thinking through all these things, the tune of a hymn just popped in my head. And it's not like a hymn that I even knew all the words to, but, I knew a few of the words anyway. So the this the tune pops in my mind and it's, I start humming it and it's kind of this old fashioned hymn, Jesus lover of my soul. So I looked it up on my phone. I was reading the lyrics and the final line of the song refers to Jesus hiding us in the shadow of his wings and it felt like a, like a second witness to me that my savior was aware of all of my anxieties and struggles and turmoil. And he gave me that image in my mind at therapy that he would take all of that on. He would be my container. And I saw the wings of his fabric and his robes. And then I was inspired to think of that hymn and to read the lyrics that he will hide me in the shadow of his wings. Like he'll always be there for me. It was like this incredibly quiet still-comforting experience. It was like He just gently quelled all of my fears.
0: Just like in all things, Jesus set a perfect example throughout His ministry of creating quiet, of being mindful and present, and of taking time away from the crowd to be still. One example that comes to mind is when the woman taken in adultery is brought before Jesus in John chapter 8. And the scribes and the Pharisees bring this woman and they're ready to judge her, to stone her. And they're, they're asking Jesus what he thinks should be done because they think you know, he should be fulfilling the law of Moses. And he just quietly stoops down and he writes on the ground. And I love how in the scriptures it says, as though he heard them not.
1: Well, it was like he created peace yeah. in that situation where it was, everything was escalating and all of the angst was directed at this one poor woman. And Jesus
0: just like diffused that. He just neutralized it with peace and calm. So beautifully. And his calm and his compassion, it caused the crowd, all of those scribes and Pharisees, they slowed their anger. They got quiet. I don't know. I imagine that they were reflecting on what they were witnessing, and then they eventually walked away. And this left this one woman sitting quietly in the dirt with Jesus. And I love this moment that I just imagine where he sees her. He can see her perfectly. He knows both her sin and her like divine heritage and potential. He sees who she is. And in that moment, she also recognizes him as her personal savior. And all of this exchange happens without any words. In this This moment of stillness and quiet facilitates this really beautiful personal connection and relationship between these two people, one of them, of course, being the Savior. And I think, isn't that what we want? We want Him to see us, and we want to see Him and like truly recognize Him as our Savior and have this deep personal connection with Him. As we try to create stillness, it kind of forces us to go inward. Being quiet is not easy. Even when we find the time, we carve out the space in our day. It can be something that still is unappealing because inside we might have to sit with ourselves and face the things that we've hidden from ourselves or that we've pushed down and um, that we've just held inside, like fear, grief disappointment, all kinds of pain. One of my friends wrote about her experience with facing this kind of scary proposition of going inward as she was trying to make space for more stillness in her life. And she talked about, as she learned to go within, the experience became very sweet. She said, everything that I expected would be inside was there. Past hurts and regrets Grief, impatience, fear, fatigue. What I didn't anticipate was a warming reassurance of a higher power. For me, that is my heavenly parents, the Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. In a gentle yet very distinct way, I feel that I am known, loved, and am led to a loving perspective on those stockpiled episodes and feelings of the past, as well as the present, which yields a wonderful sense of acceptance, wholeness, peace, and love. I loved what she wrote, and I think it's so beautiful that, yes, we may confront hard, scary things when we are still and we go inward, but we will also find the truest parts of who we are. We'll find our own divinity, our own light, and God's deep love for us. I don't know. I just had this kind of analogy in my brain about like sometimes our, we're just so frantic and riled up in our lives and just like the frenetic pace i feel like i think of a tantruming child they're not going to respond to like a lot of outside stimulation or anger or other strong emotions what they need is someone to sit calmly with them and just kind of wait it out and i feel like often i am like a tantruming child with my heavenly parents just i feel like there's just so much stimulation happening that i can't always recognize until i get still that they are sitting with me calmly they're waiting it out until i'm ready to listen and, and just be there with them when i recognize their quiet presence i can further open my eyes and my ears to hear and understand what they want for me and it kind of reminds me of in um, 3rd Nephi, chapter 11, right before Jesus is going to appear to the Nephites. Jesus has essentially given like a giant general conference talk in the previous chapters <laughs> that apparently everyone heard pretty well because it's like recorded and sounds like right. they all understood it. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's a, a point of quiet and, and then the people kind of gather at the temple and they... They're talking amongst themselves about all these amazing things they've witnessed and the darkness that they've just come out of. And then the voice of God comes, and they can't understand it. And and it comes again, and again they can't understand it. And it's not until they open their ears and their eyes and they look steadfastly to heaven that they can finally understand the voice of God presenting His Son
1: well, and then when it talks about Jesus's voice, it describes it as a still voice of perfect mildness, and yet it did pierce them. So it wasn't like this thunderclap; it was it was quiet, it was gentle, and yet it pierced them to the core. They heard all of it. I think it's also worth noting that we call the Holy Spirit the still small voice. It's not like the raging, loud voice that competes with all our ambient distractions. It's still. You have to be open and quiet in order to hear it. As I've been thinking about stillness and what it means, like as a noun, it means like quiet, tranquil, unmoving, free from turbulence. But it can also be a verb. And it means to quiet something or to settle something, and I think that that is what our Savior does. Like His purpose is to still us, and we can invite that and show our readiness by trying to still our own our own spirits, really, and just be receptive to it. This week, I kept thinking of synonyms for stillness, and the one that I really landed on was receive. Just be ready to receive whatever it is that our heavenly parents want to give us. And I think that we do that when we we try to calm ourselves and our own fears and our our own thoughts and just be open. Over the past few months, I've really missed going to the temple. like it's, I've yearned to go and I think I was looking for a dedicated space, where I could be still and be quiet and be receptive. And the other day, I just, I almost got really angry. And I was like, I just want to go to the temple. And my friend said to me, your body's a temple. You can recreate this experience at home. So I was just at home, you know, riding the bike, reading my scriptures, pondering. And honestly, I had an experience where the Holy Spirit tutored me in something that I was going through and questions that I've had and the scriptures were answering those questions for me and it just happened in my house you know on a Monday morning (laughs)
0: not at the temple right I mean I know it's like we know the temple is like this dedicated refuge but we can't go right now who's to say we can't recreate that elsewhere One of the tools that I've been using recently to create space and stillness in my own life is meditation. And just this morning, I came across this quote that said, the small space cultivated in meditation is a powerful place for the atonement to work. And I had thought about it as, I mean, I definitely have felt it as a way that I connect with my heavenly parents. I don't think I had thought of it as a place for the atonement to work. And just where I am right now, it struck me that the atonement is not just, like we know this, but the atonement isn't just like what takes care of our sins. It's not just how we approach Jesus for forgiveness, but it's the conduit that allows us to approach him for relief, for hope, for power, to figure out what the next steps are. He can literally redirect us away from the things that would weigh us down. He cuts the ropes that bind us to our own suffering and directs us towards new ideas that require our focus and efforts. I just had an experience with this this morning. As I was thinking about this, there's been something that's just been weighing on me, a disappointment, a confusing issue in my life. And as I was meditating this morning, and thought of it as a way to access the atonement. My thoughts were completely redirected away from the thing that had been like weighing on me. And in, it wasn't in a way that disregarded what I was experiencing, but it it just helped me like have a change of focus today and like feel so much better. I've already confessed here that I'm addicted to my phone. But what you might not know is that I dream on my phone as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had this dream where I was sitting on my bed and I was looking at my phone, as one does, and I was doing a very specific task. I had recently, in real life and in my dream, finished an audiobook. And often when I'm listening to an audiobook, I'll tap the bookmark Button when someone says something inspiring, so I can come back to it later. And I have the audiobook open that I just finished. I'm going back through the bookmarks so I can transcribe what was said. And so I can just keep it in my little trove of quotes I like and things. I'm trying to transcribe, going back and forth between Audible and my notes app. And I keep getting these text notifications, and the texts are coming in from my heavenly parents. And They're reiterating like these things I had learned in a discussion with a friend the night before, just like very specific principles, but I'm kind of, you know, I'm trying to like get this other thing done. So it's kind of a distraction. Like it's not allowing me to do what I'm trying to do, but eventually I, I just go over to the texting app and when I do, it's not like one or two, they just start flooding in like, One after another, like just like you're texting your best friend, and they have this amazing story to tell you. They're just flooding in, like, and they're using the little like emphasis symbols and the like, (laughs) (laughs) and um, it just made me think that when we tune in, when we like open the app or tune into the radio wave or the channel, we can see how eagerly our heavenly parents want to communicate with us and to show themselves in our lives. And when I stopped seeing these texts as a distraction and just like tuned into the source, I was able to really see what they were what they were saying. And I think when we do that, we begin to see just constant evidence of their love for us. It's everywhere. And rather than looking for miracles, we can see everything as miraculous. And I think that sometimes we assume like, okay, I'm going to create this quiet space and then maybe I can hear God speak. But I, I kind of like to flip it around and think, maybe God is always speaking and we just have to tune into it. We just have to open the app and the text will come flooding in. That is such a good visual. I
1: love that concept of, listen, we know you're addicted to your phone. We're <laughs> going to speak to you through it <laughs> by the text. There's this great quote by James E. Faust, and he's talking about this idea of, like, it is quiet, the still small voice, and you have to intentionally listen to it. He said, the still small voice, though still and small, is very powerful. He also said, we must attune ourselves to the inspiration from God and tune out the scratchy static. We have to work at being tuned in. It was almost like you had to make the decision to abandon like your transcribing project and just say, oh, I'm not going to see this revelation, this communication with heaven as an annoyance. I'm hearing what they have to say.
0: And really, it's, it's like the only app we need on our phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything else is the distraction. Right. And when we're quiet, we can hear that. It really is like this constant voice that's lovingly reassuring. It's gentle and guiding us exactly where we need to go. Another example that Jesus gave of just this stillness was he was constantly present. When he was with people, he was truly with them. And he was had this really high sense of awareness of what was happening around him. And we just live in a constant distracted state, and it's hard for us to like really tune into each other, and we sense that from one another. I think, you know, my kids can tell when I'm distracted or when I'm really present with them. And Jesus even when he was he was on his way to like a kind of high profile healing, all these people were waiting and trying to prove if he could do it or not. And just a lot of people were around. And as he's walking through the city, just surrounded by people, he was present enough to feel a woman touch the hem of his garment. And it's a famous story. But I love just thinking of it in terms of his awareness, his presence like in that moment he could sense something so small and seemingly insignificant and i it makes me wonder if we are present enough in each moment to notice the quiet voice or the influence of divinity reaching out to touch guide and instruct us can we feel that quiet like the touch on the hem of our garment. President Boyd K. Packer said, the spirit does not get our attention by shouting or shaking us with a heavy hand. Rather, it whispers. It caresses so gently that if we are preoccupied, we may not feel it at all. So we need to be, I don't know how, we have to create that mindful awareness. Right? Well, the scriptures also talk about The fact that we
1: can have peace like a river, one of my favorite phrases, when we are hearkening to commandments, like when we're really making a dedicated effort to follow gospel principles. And in Isaiah chapter 30, it says, In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. It's like such an oxymoron almost, that when you're quiet, you will find that you're your strongest. President Nelson said, we manifest our love for God through prayer, and listening is an essential part of prayer. Answers from the Lord come ever so quietly, hence He has counseled us to be still and know that I am God. So I kind of like that idea of one way of achieving stillness and receiving what God has to offer us is simply through prayer. It's like we don't have to reinvent everything. (laughs) We can pray, but... We can also make a concerted effort to listen instead of just like giving kind of a rote kind of repetitive prayer. We can speak honestly and meaningfully to our heavenly father and then listen, like really be open to receive whatever our heavenly parents are going to tell us, which kind of like comes back to trust, like trusting that. They are going to give answers, that they do care about us, they want the best for us, and they want to give us good things. I had a dream a few years ago. It was when I was like in the thick of parenting lots of people with lots of different disabilities it was just hard times we were going through it and in the dream I was on a trail like on a mountain somewhere I was hiking and suddenly I just stumbled across this bear and it it was a big grizzly bear it was like terrifying and it wasn't like I could just back away and escape this situation like I the bear and I were like on top of each other and I, I just felt like this intense panic. And I had the thought, um, just curl up and play dead. And so I did. I <laughs> curled it up in a fetal position like my heart was threatening to like beat out of my chest. <laughs> and I just laid there inert. And this bear in the dream was like, it's almost like I could feel it. It was like snuffling oh. my <laughs> neck and my ears. And it was just kind of like pawing at me not in an aggressive way just kind of a curious way like who is this person what's going on and in the dream I was I kept thinking like am I going to die and the thought was like no just be still and you will be all right and it felt like an instructive dream for me like that related to my life when I woke up I, I pondered it and it seemed to relate to just all of the turmoil that was going on. In my parenting life. It was like, just be still. Just listen and be receptive and don't panic. You're going to survive this. I also had another dream. And this was around that same time when life was so hard. And in this dream, again, I was out in the wilderness. And I was in a river with my son, Jack. And he was kind of smallish at the time. And I was feeling like, how are we? Jack's never been super small. He's always been kind of a big boy. I was like, how are we going to get out of this river? I was kind of panicked. And my husband was up on the hillside with our other kids. And I kind of called out to him like, help. I need help getting Jack out of the river. And we were like, kind of like splashing around in this kind of panic. And he said, my husband said, just stand up. (laughs) <laughs> I realized I put my feet down. And the water was really shallow where we were. It was like I was flailing around and thrashing in this water. And it was like just a few feet deep. And Jack and I both just like stood up and walked out of the river. <laughs> it felt very symbolic to me about like, again, stop panicking. Stop flailing. You are going to be... Okay. And amazingly, it felt reassuring to me rather than like like it was mocking my fear. It was just like, we're here. You are going to be good. Both of those dreams remind me of one of my favorite passages from the New Testament that talk about consider the lilies of the field. It's like this beautiful analogy to something in the natural world. It's like, look at the look at the lilies. They're beautiful, and yet they don't toil. They don't spin. In other words, they don't panic. (laughs) They're not thrashing around. And yet God arrays them in glory. This is my own synopsis. I'm not reading this. (laughs) This is what I remember. It's like, don't worry about tomorrow. God is going to take care of you. If He clothes the flowers in the field with such beauty, What will he do for you? He wants to give every good thing to you. Consider the lilies of the field. Don't worry about tomorrow. Put those worries on your marigold velvet altar and let Jesus hide you in the shadow of his wings. Hydrate, get some sleep, Take care of yourself and dream deeply.
0: You can find notes from today's show on our website, dreamsiclepodcast.com. Also follow us on Instagram at dreamsicle.podcast. Click subscribe wherever you listen to make sure you never miss an episode.